0: Rinkwide Vancouver. Well, it wasn't as much fun as Saturday's win over the Maple Leafs, but at the end of the night, it is another win for the Vancouver Canucks as they down the Chicago Blackhawks 2-0. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. It's brought to you by Betway. Jeff Patterson joined once again by David Quadrelli of Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation. And Dave... Uh, If we're going to judge this Vancouver Canucks team on its talent level and the massive talent gap between the two teams on the ice, this was far from the Canucks' best performance, but certainly there is enough to get to, and that's what we do here on Rinkwide. So a lot to dive into, and let's start with Thatcher Demko. I know you like your goaltending. Five shutouts on the season for the Canucks puck stopper.
1: So a name that you and I have mentioned, Jeff, in recent episodes of Rinkwide when we've been discussing Thatcher Demko is Connor Halibach. So, when you look at the Vesna race to this point, and let's not forget, general managers vote on this award. So, it's going to be very surface-level analysis of stats and that sort of thing. So, if you have the most shutouts, you have the most wins, there's a good chance you're winning the Vesna. You got a good save percentage, you're probably going to win the Vesna. Connor Hellebuck and Thatcher Demko are going to be going toe-to-toe all season. And one stat I'm really looking at is shutouts. So, yes, It was the Chicago Blackhawks and the Abbotsford Canucks probably could have given this team a run for their money. But Thatcher Demko picks up the shutout. And that's the number that I'm really looking at at the end of the season. Who's going to have more shutouts? Is it going to be Connor Hellebuck or is it going to be Thatcher Demko? That's how I look at the Vezina race right
0: now. All right. So with five, Demko joins another Connor, but not Hellebuck. It's Connor Ingram. And Tristan Jari, the, all three of those guys tied for the NHL league lead now with five shutouts. For Thatcher Demko, seven straight victories that matches a career best for him. Uh, a stretch right after Bruce Boudreau took over. Remember, he caught fire. He was one of the stars of the month in the National Hockey League right after uh, that coaching change. So he has won seven in a row before. He has now won seven straight here. Uh, take it back even further, 13-1-1 and in his last 15 outings. So those sorts of numbers are going to get the attention around the National Hockey League. I will say this, though. I think at one point when the general managers had the vote for the Vesna, and they still do, but I think when the general managers themselves We're trying to decide. It probably was a little bit more surface level. I think they enlist the help of their goaltending coaches. It's always, oh, it's the GMs that vote. But honestly, I I bet you the goalie coaches around the NHL uh, have a pretty big say in ultimately who is honored with the Vezina at the end of the season. But I'm with you. It seems to be a two-horse race, and on a night when... Connor Hellebuck and the Jets lost in Boston, and the Bruins, for a brief while, moved in front of the Vancouver Canucks. Canucks now up to 32 wins, 11 outright losses, and four OTLs or SOLs, 68 points, and the Vancouver Canucks back on top in the National Hockey League with this 2-0 win over the Chicago Blackhawks. Undermanned, understaffed, no Connor Bedard, so that storyline has been there for a while this long list of injuries. They really do have a sort of hybrid of NHL and AHL players. Rick Talkett said this morning that he's watched them a bunch. They play hard and look, they played hard against the Canucks just before Christmas at United Center. Canucks were able to eke out a 4-3 victory then. Here it was 2 nothing. The damage done early, a minute 47 seconds into the hockey game and then five minutes after that, uh, an incredible shift. And an incredible individual effort by Quinn Hughes. We'll break down the goals here, but I just want to stick with Thatcher Demko for a sec. The five shutouts, St. Louis, Dallas, Florida, Buffalo, and now the Blackhawks. Uh, on this run of 15 games where he's 13-1-1, three of the shutouts are are there. So he has been uh, terrific of late for the Vancouver Canucks. Look at the shots. The Blackhawks end up out shooting the Vancouver Canucks 31-29 on the night aided by five power plays. Canucks ran into some penalty problems, particularly in the second period of the hockey game. Taylor Radish got a puck behind Demko early in the second period. Demko, a little bit of scramble and was able to pull the puck out of the blue paint and get it out of harm's way. There were some other opportunities. There was that wild scramble in the power play. Uh, with Teddy Bluger in the penalty box with six minutes to go, again, the Blackhawks got the puck to the blue paint, but that's as close as they got it. So there were some chances. Isaac Phillips had that spinning shot early in the third period. Maybe Thatcher Demko's best save of the night. So again, this is one of the lowest scoring teams in the NHL. Without it, super rookie. They've got the worst power play in the National Hockey League You add it all up and not a surprise that the Blackhawks are unable to score against one of the top goaltenders in the National Hockey League. Just overall on the night, what did you make of of Demko's performance?
1: Well, you brought up the power plays, right? And the penalty kill did well. I'm sure we'll talk about the penalty kill, but Demko made some very key saves and I thought his best save of the night was that one in the third that he made where it was the kick save and a beauty, right? And there was also <laughs> that uh, sequence where he stopped two shots off of, I believe it was Anderson. I, yeah, I think it was Anderson that he blocked
0: two. Ah, who we- can Who can tell on that Blackhawks team, right? May have been Anderson, may have been... I thought everybody was Jason Dickinson, to be honest with you. I was looking at the numbers and the skate stride.
1: I'm like, which one's Jason Dickinson again? But you're right. Um, Nick Nick Foligno had seven shots, by the way, in this hockey game. Oh, he's our Slavkovsky star of the night for sure. There you go. Yes. But I thought Demko had a really good night. And kind of back to my point here is just that the shots weren't stellar on the power play. But some of those shots he faced at five on five were high danger. Five alarm chances that a lot of goaltenders let behind them. I thought he played really well tonight. Like, I thought he earned that shutout. And again, 31 saves, you earned it if you make 31 saves.
0: Yeah, Colin Blackwell behind Philip Aronic with about seven and a half minutes to go in the third period. It looked like a pretty decent scoring chance to the Blackhawks. Reese Johnson, and again, it's Reese Johnson. Or maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Uh, No, I think it was Reese Johnson. At least that's what I wrote down. Uh, Down the left wing, there was a delayed penalty, and he got a pretty good look. And Demko out uh, squarely challenged him and made that stop as well. He stops all 31 shots that he faced on the night. Uh, You'll probably hear his name a little later on. When we get to the rink-wide Vancouver three-star selection, you might hear Andre Kuzmenko's name as well. Because for all the talk and all the post-game pods that we've done where it's, you know, he didn't play in the third period. Is he going to play next game? He had some jump. Now it's the Blackhawks. And again, context matters here. But one of the craziest things that I've been tracking all season is the fact that his last assist came the night Bo Horvat came back to town on November the 15th. Last assist for Andre Kuzmenko in the National Hockey League. And then he goes and does the old spinaroo right onto the stick of Pia Suter, actually. Kind of fumbled it. Maybe that helped him. Whatever the case, he was able to to snap at home his ninth of the season. But the play set up beautifully by Andre Kuzmenko. And he wasn't done there because he picks up the second assist. So the guy goes two months without a helper. And then in a five-minute span, he gets two. Sort of shows you how fickle sometimes uh, picking up assists can be. In the National Hockey League and the second assist, we won't remember the second assist because uh, we'll remember uh, the trigger man. And it was Quinn Hughes up to a dozen now on the season as he inches closer, Dave, to 20 goals. But just a brilliant individual effort at the end of a sh- We saw a great shift to open the scoring the other night against Toronto and this was right there in that conversation, just in terms of dominance, uh, absolutely refusing to let the Blackhawks touch the puck and eventually Quinn Hughes walking in off that left side, as we've seen him do a bunch of times this year and picked his spot, snapped it home. Yeah, I mean, at 2-0, it was the start they were looking for. I think they eased off the gas pedal uh, maybe a little too much for long stretches of this hockey game, but certainly hard to argue with that kind of start, getting off to a 2 nothing lead six and a half minutes in.
1: It's funny that you said that we wouldn't remember the second one from Kuzmenko because, of course, it's capped off by the Hughes goal. But just looking at my notes here, and I'm remembering. No, you're right. The The work he did down low. No, yeah, and, and not only before that, Jeff. Like before that happened, he made a really strong play in the neutral zone where. Like I wrote about it in an instant reaction. I said, the old Kuzmenko loses that puck battle and skates off for a change. And then he finds out he's not allowed back on the ice for the rest of the <laughs> game, but wins a puck battle in the neutral zone to regain possession for the Canucks. And then it was after that that they were able to move into the zone. And then he made that play behind the net. So I thought it was a, just a super strong shift for him, a really strong period. And of course, there's the context that it's the Chicago Blackhawks, which you mentioned. But I couple it, With the fact that we saw some flashes of confidence, is what I'll call them, uh, in that game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I'm just, I'm coupling it with that, I'm saying that this line had a really strong game, Uh, I think their strongest since they've been together, that Suter-Mikheyev-Kuzmenko trio at 5-on-5, I think that's their strongest game since they've been put together, and with all of that context, I'm cautiously saying that Andre Kuzmenko is on his way to being back. (laughs)
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, OK, uh, I'll work with you there. We won't we won't say that he is back. He's on his way to being back. And we'll find out, I guess, at uh, the next practice. And then uh, they play again Wednesday against St. Louis and Saturday, final game before the All-Star break with the Columbus Blue Jackets in town. Now, when we talk about context matters and look, I, like, I'm not trying to be the downer here. These are just facts that the last four multi point games that Andre Kuzmenko has had this season, he's got five of them. He had one in Florida early on that early road trip, and he was good in the third period, set up Pedersen with a spinning backhand assist, and then uh, got the game winner. But his most recent four or multiple point efforts, and he's had four of them: two against the Sharks, one against Ottawa, and this one against the Chicago. Blackhawks, so there's sort of what are you
1: doing th- to me, Jeff?
0: There's a bit of a theme there with uh, with old Koozie coming to life uh, against some of the bottom feeders in the National Hockey League. But uh, hey, baby steps here for a guy that was out of the lineup not that long ago and has been parked in third periods. And look, I think there was some love from Rick Target. He was out there in the final minute with a chance to score into the empty net. Perhaps didn't happen, but, uh, you know, I think that was a nod from the head coach where he's parked him in third periods. This time he opens the gate and says, Kuzi, get out there. So, yeah, let's hope that it is a step in the right direction. I don't think Pia Suter on the power play is the answer. Canucks only had a couple of opportunities that didn't score, And really, the power play looked pretty disjointed, I thought, in the second period. And again, this sort of speaks to who these Vancouver Canucks are, right? That, you know, Lotto line crushed that road trip. And they've been a little quiet of late. The Garland line, most nights they come through, they were pretty quiet in this one. And here's this line that we're wondering, like, how long are they going to stay together? How long can the coach keep them together? Haven't done anything for 10 games. Well, yeah, tonight, they're the ones that rise up and they figure in the scoring, even though Quinn Hughes pulls the trigger, it's out there. McKayev gets the, the primary assist and Quinn Hughes is the guy that scores. And at 2-0, that was it for the scoring on the night. Three straight wins on the homestand now for the Vancouver Canucks. Two of them have been really low-scoring games. The Arizona game was 2-1 to one and then the Toronto game on Saturday where everything was happening and here at 2 nothing, and roll it back to the tail end of the road trip. The one nothing win over the Buffalo Sabres as well. So the Canucks are... They're finding ways to win in these lower-scoring games. We know that they've had a ton of high-octane games, and there'll be more of those along the way. But, you know, I do think that there is some value in finding ways to grind out wins. Of course, they're going to see better opponents than the Chicago Blackhawks and the Arizona Coyotes. But, you know, that's who they were playing. That was sort of the style of the game. And, ultimately, they get enough offense in the early going. You know, we touched on it with Quinn Hughes. But let's get into it because... You're on the – in fact, you've got a wager, do you not, that he's going to get to 20? Mm-hmm. Mr. Yeah.
1: Chris Faber and I,
0: yep. Right. So he's at 12 before the All-Star break, and he scored some pretty goals, and this is another one. And it just the way he attacks off that left side, and we know that one of the storylines coming in, and we saw it early in the season, was you know these improved shooting angles and his uh, willingness to shoot the puck – and uh, he's able to get some zip on it. And he certainly did there as well. So right, just give me a vibe check. Are you feeling sitting at 12? Are you liking 20? Are you feeling comfortable
1: with your wager? Jeff, I am. I'm feeling very comfortable. I think I'm okay. going to be treated to a nice steak dinner at Alaska ah. Steakhouse with two rum and Cokes. That is the uh, <laughs> that is the bet. That is the ah, bet. So, okay.
0: yeah, I'm comfortable with it. I think so. Okay, I think good. it's going to be There's only one defenseman in the NHL ahead of him. Rasmus Dallin of Buffalo is up to 13 now. So Quinn Hughes, I'm sure, has him in his sights. But uh, Hughes leading in just about every conceivable category when it comes to defensemen. Now, the other night against Toronto, Quinn Hughes was part of that power play that went to work in the third period and swung the game in the Canucks' favor. The lotto line didn't do much against the Leafs, spent most of the time defending, and didn't do a great job of that. Again, this is not a great night for the lotto line. And you wonder if Rick Tockett is going to have to reimagine and and reevaluate where he is with his three best offensive players. The trio combined for a grand total of two shots on goal. Brock Besser didn't have one. And JT Miller and Elias Pedersen each had one shot on goal. So we're talking about one of the top lines, one of the hottest lines in hockey against one of the worst teams in the NHL. And lotto just did not have it. So... I don't know if it's concerning. They get the win. They get the shutout win. They don't give up anything. But you kind of thought, like, all right, not a great night. Uh, The coach at the morning skate mentioned that he had challenged those guys. Honestly, I was a little surprised to hear Rick Talkett say that he thought his guys got cocky the other day against the Toronto Maple Leafs when it was 3-0, and before they knew it, uh, all of a sudden in a 3-all tie. And I kind of thought that the players might take that to heart as well. And it's hard to say that they did that. Again, did enough to win this hockey game. But on balance, over 60 minutes, this was far, far from the Vancouver Canucks' best effort of the season. Context matters, Jeff.
1: Like, context matters, and they they haven't been good in recent games. And that's what Tohawk pointed out, right? The way I was talking about this game all day long was this was a get-right game for everybody. If you're struggling, play the Chicago Blackhawks, and you have a chance to get all your confidence back. We saw Kuzmenko take advantage of it. You're playing the Chicago Blackhawks. This is your get-right game lotto line you're not playing super great okay go win your matchup against jason dickinson that's who they were matched up against Damn. all night long and sure maybe they won the matchup but it still wasn't you know it wasn't in any sort of convincing fashion and it's another night like you said where they have struggled and you're 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 waiting for them to turn the corner and i find the conversation around talk making a move with his lineup so fascinating because like i genuinely think if you don't have the third line going the way it is. You don't have, really, now every other line. Like, the second line was good tonight, and the bottom six, li- the bottom two lines were very good against Toronto. If those lines aren't all humming, then I think, yeah, you got to split up the lotto line, but right now, just like we all thought they would, the lotto line is the Canucks line that's <laughs> struggling right now, and it's, it's all the other lines that are clicking, and they're the only one that's struggling. I think they're a line where they know they're struggling, I think you stick with it and you give them the St. Louis game to kind of right the ship, I'd say.
0: Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. I mean, with two games to go before the All-Star break and the fact that the Canucks are are humming along here, I mean, they're 8-1-1 and in their last 10 games, You know, so there's no reason for panic. The one outright loss was against their next opponent, St. Louis Blues, so a little redemption, perhaps. We'll see about that. Just looking at the underlying numbers from this hockey game, like Nils Hoaglander and Nils Amon, the, the fourth line for the Vancouver Canucks, the shot attempts at evens were 16-2 to when Nils Hoaglander was out on the ice. The actual shots were 7 nothing. So another step forward after a big game against Toronto the other night. Suter and Kuzmenko, you know, their numbers aren't far off. Individual course, he's in the 75% range. The shots when Kuzmenko was on the ice at 10-4. to Of course, they outscore the Blackhawks 2-0 on the ice for both the goals in this hockey game. So, you know, under the hood for lower in the lineup. Yeah, absolutely, like, fireworks and whatever the Pedersen line or Miller line, the, the lotto line got outshot at even strength by the Chicago Blackhawks. One of the lowest scoring teams in the national hockey league. And again, missing all sorts of firepower led by Connor Bedard. But uh, there were a bunch of guys and of course, former Canuck, Anthony Bovillier, uh, he's out of the lineup and uh, Taylor Hall's gone for the season with knee surgery the lotto line should have been able to do more than it did. I didn't like the second period. Not so much just the lotto line. The second period, first six minutes, the Canucks barely touched the puck. Like, Thatcher Demko had to be good in the first six minutes. And again, it's 2-0. Like, if the Hawks get one, now it's a one-goal game and you're a a funky bounce away from being in trouble or at least being tied. And you've heard Rick Tockett talk about this team being disconnected. And he thought that was the case in the second against the Leafs the other night. Really felt that, like just having trouble stringing passes together, breaking the puck out of their zone cleanly, uh, getting in on the forecheck. They, they didn't seem to be taking the right lines. Again, this is a Blackhawk team that doesn't have a lot of experience in the back end and you know, seem to be able to elude the forecheck relatively easily. And then on top of that, I mean, the Canucks compounding their issues, take three penalties in the second period. One of them is puck over the glass by Sam Lafferty. One's a, a terrible line change. Too many men, like, they weren't sharp. And against a better opponent like that's probably going to cost them. So uh, I'll be curious to hear what the coach has to say, the way he breaks this thing down. A win's a win. You take those two points, you add them all up. They're at 68 on the season now. I mean, that's impossible to to complain about or argue with. But within the game, and if it is about the process, then uh, I didn't think the process was great, particularly in that second period when they were outshot 10-7. to 7.
1: No, and, and we haven't heard from the coach yet, but when we do, I'm going to bet, Jeff, that he brings up line changes and yep. shifts getting too long. And it was funny, I actually asked him about his team's ability to play tired and I'm not saying they were tired today, but one of the things he highlighted, you know, when we were talking back in November about his team n- needing to learn to play tired, is he said like, you got to manage your shifts. You can't be out there for too long. And I think the broadcast actually highlighted it that he was kind of barking at his players a little bit and saying, "Hey, Start to keep those shifts shorter. Like, we need to start shortening our shifts. And, yeah, like, it's compounded by the fact that you take a bench miner. of course. It doesn't get much worse than that when it comes to line changes. I did think that it started to get away from them a little bit. And, yeah, it's like you said, when when it's a better team, it's going to matter more. And I think when I look at this game, I, I almost give them the benefit of the doubt because I'm thinking to myself, okay, like, we know they can step it up against better opponents but there are some trends with the context against a better opponent in the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday where you know one one concerning trend is you get out to an early lead which is great but then you take your foot off the gas in the second and you let them right back in like Chicago didn't score because they're Chicago but they got let right back in this game by the Canucks in the second period and that was something that was concerning to me
0: Yeah, and I think if you go back to January 2nd, the first game of this calendar year, Ottawa, they got out to that huge lead, 5-0. And again, it's difficult to play at 5-0. You think it's going to be 10-0. The Senators probably think it's going to be 10-0 as well. Uh, The rest of the game kind of feels like garbage time. But I thought that night they took their foot off the gas a little bit. And, you know, they ended up winning handily 6-3. They were never in danger. But you would like to have seen them keep the pedal down. If you go back, like you know, Pittsburgh was down 3-1. to They clawed all the way back, got the game to overtime. Columbus came back and put a dent in that Canucks record when they go to the third period with a lead. Now that was the tail end of the road trip and the travel. And, you know, maybe you cut them a little bit of slack there. But uh, the point of the matter is Toronto came back from a 3 nothing deficit. And again, I do think there was a path here for a better team than Chicago to get back in this hockey game, all those power plays. And Chicago kind of shot itself in the foot, took them off the power play twice with penalties of their own when they had the man advantage. So Canucks go five for five on the penalty kill, and that's becoming a great story for this hockey club, whether it's against the worst power play in the National Hockey League or a, a good power play. They're in a groove that'll be tested without Carson Susie. and we learned uh, earlier today uh, five to six weeks uh, was the word from the head coach, so... Yeah, you know, unfortunate for Carson Soucy, his third injury, his second serious injury of the season, and he has been a part of the penalty kill and and has been a nice addition when he's been in the lineup and was kind of getting up to speed now since he got back in the lineup in New Jersey and now he's gone again. So a good opportunity for Noah Juleson. It looks like he'll get a, a run as long as he can stay healthy here, but it's going to be interesting to, to monitor what impact the absence of Carson Soucy has on the penalty kill that's been lights out good. And when was the last time we've been able to say that about the Vancouver Canucks? Again, they'll be tested by better power plays than the Chicago Blackhawks. And we have to throw this one in. We do a stat that stands out, and we'll do one a little later on here. But uh, the Blackhawks are 0-16-1 now in their last 17 road games. Everybody is taking points off the Chicago team when they come to town. So, you know, important that the Vancouver Canucks did so as well. They did. It's the only Hawks visit, and that's part of why the Bedard injury and the timing of it was so disappointing for him and for hockey fans and his family and friends and everybody that wanted to get a look at him. I was a little surprised that the Hawks didn't bring him on the road trip. They left him behind in Chicago. You know, he's back skating, apparently. Uh, I would have thought at the very least he could have skated with them and— yeah, you're leaving a teenager behind. Like I would have thought that they would just want this guy around the team again to sort of integrate. You're coming back to your home city for the only time this season in your rookie season. So a little surprised that uh, Bedard wasn't part of the Blackhawks traveling party.
1: Yeah, he could have got a lot done. He could have got a lot of errands done, moved his Hyundai, moved all his stuff out of his The bedroom. sister moves the
0: Hyundai all the time, so that doesn't <laughs> seem right. to be an issue. But <laughs> That's
1: right. Yeah, I, I, I did find that interesting because and it was funny because I saw the – the tweets that were coming out right before the game and after morning skate just about yeah Luke Richardson has reiterated that Bernard isn't coming out like it was almost like people were expecting Bedard to just come out play with a fishbowl <laughs> and it's like no he's he can't play with his his injury uh but yeah just not bringing the kid on the road I mean like you think back over the years Jeff at the injured Canucks players that we've seen go on the road and sometimes there's no chance that those guys are going to play, but they're still just, you know, the camaraderie and just being around the team. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that uh, Connor Bernard wouldn't be on this trip with the team, especially with his hometown.
0: Yeah, no, and I was never for a second suggesting that he was going to be a surprise starter back in the lineup. Uh, Richardson said that the bone is still healing and setting, and we were talking about a broken jaw. They're not going to take any chances. Like, they are going to err on the full recovery side here Uh, And the longer he's out, the better their chances of uh, adding Macklin Celebrini to the mix at uh, the upcoming draft. So, uh, yeah, he'll play when he's ready, but uh, certainly won't play before then. He was replaced at the All-Star weekend, so a little disappointing, I'm sure, for him that he can't take part in that in his first National Hockey League season. But, yeah, the Blackhawks taking their lumps without Bedard. They're taking their lumps when he's in the lineup uh, he is their leading scorer, and they miss him dearly as they get blanked by the Vancouver Canucks. 2-0 is the final. We've still got a lot ahead here uh, on wide. You're going to hear from Thatcher Demko, the shutout man. You'll hear from Rick Tockett as well. We'll get his thoughts on this one. We'll get uh, some listener feedback. I want to hear what you had to think uh, and say about a, a 2-0 Canucks victory, their third straight win now. Uh, three for three on the homestand with two games still to come, the Blues and the Blue Jackets to take us into the week off and then the All-Star weekend beyond that. And a thought or two on, on what is still ahead here on the homestand. But uh, right now, it is time for our Betway Bet of the Day. We'll look at the NHL schedule on Tuesday, and the Vancouver Canucks got a little bit of help. You see that uh, old friends Tyler Tofoli with the hat trick and Curtis Lazar with a couple of goals. New Jersey came <laughs> back and beat Vegas in overtime, 6-5, so uh, all the goals tonight apparently uh, in New Jersey. They weren't here in Vancouver. The Golden Knights turning around back-to-back going into Patrick Waugh and the New York Islanders' backyard, so we'll see what the Golden Knights have uh, left. They're the road underdogs, the Stanley Cup champs. They're uh, I like the Islanders, though, in this one. You can get them at 171 on the money line. Uh, Patrick Roy, a winner in his coaching debut as the Isles took down Dallas, and we'll see if they can back it up with a game and a win against the Stanley Cup champs. So that is our Betway bet of the day. Brought to you by Betway. Must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. The Vancouver Canucks get goals from Pia Suter, his ninth of the season. Quinn Hughes is up to 12 as he heads for 20, according to Quadrelli. Canucks beat the Blackhawks 2-0. You've got it, and you're listening to Rinkwide Vancouver. We're going to follow up with a 6-4 win over Toronto on Saturday with a much different hockey game here, 2-0. They defeat the Chicago Blackhawks, but it is three straight wins. and You look at where they are here in this stretch. Their last 21 games, they're now 16-2-3. These are numbers that really don't make a whole lot of sense, but uh, we do this after each and every Canucks game. and Yeah, I mean, what a run for them. Their last 10 on home ice, they're 9-1 and now. Uh, They're 17-4-1 at Rogers Arena. I know we're throwing a lot of numbers at you, but uh, it just feels like every podcast, uh, more and more numbers of the spectacular variety. The game itself wasn't spectacular, but uh, it produced spectacular numbers for the Vancouver Canucks. Their 32nd win of the season. Jeff and Dave with you here. Uh, You've heard from us and our thoughts on this. Want to hear from the head coach and from Thatcher Demko as well. Rick talking after the game was asked about a sleepy win, if you will, and, and he knows that the Blackhawks are an undermanned bunch. Luke Richards is probably my favorite teammate i played with. I, I love that you know, he's had more injuries than anybody, and they work hard. Their team works hard. You know, I thought uh, I thought we were just okay. I think it was like we got the two goals, and I think we just kind of coasted it in. You know, it's good to grab the two points, but, I, you know, it wasn't a pretty game for us. All right, well, that's kind of what we said in that first segment, Dave, that, uh, you know, he wasn't thrilled. He said they coasted it in, and... You know, uh, wasn't pretty, and he's not wrong there. But uh, ultimately, this win, the same as uh, you know, the good wins that they've had, add them to the collection and keep on tracking. And they'll do that next out uh, on Wednesday against the the St. Louis Blues. But also wanted to hear from the coach on the play of that. That Suter line, Kuzmenko and Mikheyev, a two-point night for Kuzmenko. Pia Suter, his ninth goal of the season. And Ilya Mikheyev's not feeling it these days. Uh, Hasn't scored since the last time the Canucks saw the Blackhawks in Chicago. And that was uh, a while, more than a month ago. But uh, he does get an assist on the Quinn Hughes goal. And Rick Tockett thought that he saw some progress from that trio tonight. Yeah, yeah, there's more trials, you know, a little more holding on to pucks, Um, they were closer together. Even if a guy lost it, there was another guy there to pick the the loose puck up. Um, So hopefully that's a good start. You know, they they did a lot of video session the last couple of days um, and I think it worked for them. Well, that's interesting. And and this is one of the things that I do really appreciate about Rick Tockett is, you know, it's not the stock answers. Like, he'll pull you behind the curtain a little bit and letting us know that these guys are doing video work that, I mean, you'd hope that they work because they certainly haven't been feeling it offensively, but... You know, I, I think there are some coaches that would be afraid to sort of tell you what some of the players are doing off the ice. And uh, that is not Rick talking at all. You've been around him. You ask him a question and you get an answer. And, and in our business, I, 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 you really have to appreciate that.
1: Well, of course. I really I I mean, I'm not gonna do it again because I've started to get people telling me I'm way too nice to rick talk it, so I'm not gonna <laughs> do it again. But I do like him as a head coach and I think he does a very good job of just being honest. Like if you ask him a question, you're going to get the honest truth. Like, he doesn't even spin anything. He almost It seemed like he was going to puke in his mouth this morning when he had to tell us that it was an upper body injury (laughs) for Carson Soucy. Like, he wanted to tell us, and he's like, he even said, he's like, I hate doing this, but it's an upper body injury. And then, anyways, we're not going to get into the morning skate injury update too much. No, but you're right. It was fun. He
0: was twisting in knots just uh, because Ben (laughs) Kuzma was, you know, can you tell us a little bit more? And you just, no, I don't want to tell you much more. He blocked his shot, all right? Just take it with his hand. (laughs) Let's leave it at that. Thatcher Demko blocked a lot of shots with the, His hands, his blocker, and his catcher comes up with his fifth shutout of the season, 31 saves. So uh, uh, he's getting it done. There's no question about that. And uh, for Thatcher Demko, this is win 25. Five of them by shutout, 25 victories on the season for Thatcher Demko. And he called this one just a a night and day atmosphere and environment after the circus that was the Leafs coming to town going against a a Chicago team that, uh, you know, has having trouble finding bodies to put in their lineup. Like he says, emotional game Saturday and then, you know, come back out on Monday night. Um, it's a hardworking team. Um, you know, they're doing what they can right now. And, you know, I thought they played pretty well and, and we had to match that. So i um, proud of the group again. Uh, another two points was huge. And uh, two more games here before all server.
1: Yeah, again, we've given him his flowers and he he deserves it. He deserves it on a night like tonight. And I'm just like, I still I still thought this was going to be a Casey DeSmith start. And now you have the question, Jeff, of do you go back to Thatcher Demko on Wednesday against St. Louis Blues or do you go to Casey DeSmith? Because I would have thought today was a Casey DeSmith start. With Demko starting, I for sure thought Wednesday was going to be a DeSmith start. A goalie gets a shutout. It throws a wrench in all of that.
0: But it really doesn't for Rick Tockett because we've seen him do this a number of times already this season where he has gone away from the guy that's pitched a shutout and turned to his other guy and we know that he's got full confidence in Casey DeSmith. Uh, and I'm glad you brought this part up because I did think it was a surprise start. I, I just figured the one of the worst teams in the NHL, this one would be earmarked for your backup. But I think coming off that second period against Toronto the other night and the fact that Rick Tockett, in his own words, thought the Canucks were a little cocky and serve some humble pie. I think if you start your backup, as good as Casey DeSmith has been, but if if you start your backup against a team like the Blackhawks, I think you're signaling to your entire team that you think it's going to be an easy night. And I think that was the messaging here by coming back with Thatcher Demko. And I think the flip side is, you lost to the St. Louis Blues not that long ago. And Demko was good that night. But... I think if you go with Casey DeSmith, you get the attention of the guys that are playing in front of him, and they've played well for Casey DeSmith. I, I now expect that Casey DeSmith is going to get the start on uh, Wednesday against the the St. Louis Blues, but uh, I do know hockey, conventional wisdom, all that kind of stuff that uh, you, know, you stay with the hot hand, so... Rick Tockett and Ian Clark certainly have a decision to make. And and I thought it was interesting there, the the clip from Thatcher Demko, where he he says the Blackhawks are doing what they can. Like, these guys know that uh, it was a mismatch on paper, and it probably shouldn't have been as close as uh, it turned out to be. We've talked a lot about the goalie at one end. We should probably throw a little love uh, to the guy at the other end, who's been doing it all season for the Chicago Blackhawks, by the way. Like, when you think of where they are as a team with just 14 wins – and Peter Morazic's rocking a 906 save percentage coming into this night. Like, that's not bad, considering he's got 12 of their 14 wins on the season. So let's roll right into the Rinkwide Vancouver three-star selection. It was a clean sweep uh, by the broadcasters in the building. They go with Demko, Pia Suter, and Andre Kuzmenko. I've got two of those guys in the Rink-Wide three stars. I'm going Kuzmenko at the top of the list. I, I just think, and maybe it's some home cooking and a little love for the guy that has Taking his fair share of lumps here of late. But, you know, again, if it's a step towards being all the way back, then good on him. And, and the Canucks certainly will welcome that. I, I just like the effort. I like the the skill level that was on display. And you're right. I probably undersold that second assist on the Quinn Hughes goal for the work down low to protect the puck and keep the play alive and, and shield the puck and all those types of things. So, I'm going with Kuzmenko as the first star. It's our podcast. We can do what we want here. I'm going Andre Kuzmenko as star number one. Thacker Demko is star number two. And I am going to throw some flowers Peter Morazic's way because, again, the Canucks have pumped a lot of pucks past goaltenders all season long. They didn't do that tonight. Uh, they got two early ones, but Morazic was forced to make some saves. Elias Pedersen in the slot in the third period. Pia Suter had a bunch. He could have added to his goal total. Uh, could have been the latest. Could not get, get into double digits. He's at nine as it stands right now. But uh, he had chances. And uh, again, uh, I thought Peter Mrazek, you know, it's a thankless job, obviously, playing behind that team and that defense. But uh, uh, Mrazek held his team in there. So you like your goaltenders? Are you all right with having the two guys uh, among the three stars in this one?
1: Absolutely. And with Peter Mrazek, the glove in the face connor garland i i will <laughs> yes. tell you something jeff back in my day yes when i was a road hockey goalie i loved doing that if you had a guy in front of you you always get the glove in the face the reverse sean avery i think dave tomlinson called it on the broadcast tonight i loved it you deserve a star if you do that i think that's great i think goaltenders should be doing that way more often
0: they'll see peter morazic one more well, i don't know if they'll see morazic They'll see the blackhawks one more time the fifth and final game of the five game road trip right out of the all-star break so a couple of weeks uh, they'll be back in the windy city as that road trip takes them to the east coast and then they work their way back to middle america so uh, they'll see the blackhawks so one more time they're 2-0 against the blackhawks after a 2 nothing victory at home uh, on monday night jeff and dave with you one more segment to come here it is rink-wide vancouver and it's a presentation of betway Rinkwide Vancouver, we're going to get to a little listener feedback here. Our social channels at Rinkwide Van. We'll dip in there in a sec, but we always do a stat that stands out. And as I said earlier, I mean, the Canucks present so many numbers. Sometimes they're deep and we go, you know, deep into the bag of tricks to come up uh, with our stat that stands out. Sometimes it's fairly surface level. And I think tonight it is uh, one of those, it's two assists for Andre Kuzmenko. Who knew? Uh, We haven't seen him set up goals in a long, long time, so... Uh, That's kind of been a theme of uh, the post-game pod here is that uh, a step in the right direction, not all the way back. Uh, Again, it's the Blackhawks, but two assists for Andre Kuzmenko and that line that uh, hadn't done an awful lot since being put together as a result of the lotto line guys uh, stepping up for the bulk of the road trip. So nice to see another line come through for the Vancouver Canucks. So yeah, two assists for Kuzmenko. Uh, Certainly a stat that stands out. Yeah, another stat that stands out is the fact that Brock Besser still leads this hockey club in goals with 27. Now, he's had a couple that uh, he scored that were either overturned or called back. Whatever the case, he's lost the magic a little bit. Now, he's going to get to 30, and he'll probably take a pretty good run at 40, But he only has three goals in his last 13 hockey games now. And Elias Patterson, who didn't score, and that's a rarity, but he's narrowed the gap to just two. So I do think that there's a legitimate derby in that regard. But we touched earlier, too, that Besser, no shots on goal. Like This is a volume shooter, and it's a little surprising to see him get out of a night where he hasn't tested a goaltender, but certainly has slowed down since Christmas with just three goals in 13 games, and two of them came in the same game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. All right. Uh, I know you want to talk about penalty kill, and we'll do that in a sec. I want to pick your brain a little bit about uh, new defensive pairings as well and what you thought there. But uh, let's hear what the uh, listeners had to say in the feedback channels. Canucks coachman, my main takeaway is the Canucks can beat a team any way they have to. Tonight, they took advantage of playing a cellar dweller with injuries and did just enough, preserving themselves for the next game. I don't know that that's necessarily how Rick Tockett drew it up. You know, take it easy out there so that you have something left for the Blues. (laughs) Uh, They did what they had to do, and ultimately, they do get the victory. Travis says, team kind of looked disinterested, especially the lotto line. Probably Kuzmenko's best game in a while. Glad to see Demko get his fifth shutout of the season. A couple of Chris's weighing in here. One Chris says, did just enough to win. Yeah, I would agree with that. Again, against uh, an opponent that had some opportunities, but uh, I don't think they really ever threatened the outcome once the Canucks got uh, the two-goal lead. The other, Chris, says, happy they won. Stoked to see Kuzi starting to get his confidence back and being rewarded for it. Thought the team played down to their competition. If that was a statement game, Docket will likely be disappointed outside of Demko and Kuzmenko. Nobody really stood out. Again, I think uh, some props to Quinn Hughes for his goal at the very least. And he actually made a terrific defensive play early in the hockey game uh, at the tail end of a power play. A centering pass like Rem Pitlick was at the back door. And it would have been the tap-in, and Quinn Hughes, uh, some great awareness, and got the stick just in the lane to deflect it away from Ram So who says he's just offense? Uh, the captain stepping up with a nice defensive play there, helping his goaltender preserve the shutout. And Justin gets the last word here from uh, the listeners, at the very least, our second period suck. We seem to be able to lock it down in the third, but it makes for some dull hockey other than the first. I mean, they they get out to so many leads. Like, this is part of the DNA of this team opening the scoring. They do it on an almost nightly basis. Here they did it, and then they extended their lead. I don't know that it's uncomfortable to play with these leads, but even in the back of their mind, just this – almost assumption that they're going to keep extending their lead, that it's one nothing, and then it's 2 nothing, and they're going to get the next one. Ultimately, there wasn't a next one in this hockey game. But, I mean, I, I think that they have to, whether they let their minds wander, whether they just get a little disinterested, whatever the case, uh, it is a 60-minute game for a reason, and they are going to have to find that focus to continue to do the things that Rick Tockett talks about, the staples and the non-negotiables, because uh, against better opponents, I do think, they would have been ripe for the picking in this one. But they were playing the Blackhawks tonight, and it was enough to get the job done. Now, a little earlier, Dave, I mentioned Carson Soucy out of lineup. How's that going to impact the penalty kill? It was perfect on this night. and The Blackhawks helped the Canucks cause by taking a couple penalties that took them off the power play on two occasions. But what are you seeing in this penalty kill right now that's uh, just in an absolute groove? Well, 15 straight.
1: And again, that's, that's where we keep talking about, yes, it's the Blackhawks, but context matters. 15 straight, 15 straight. Uh, killed penalties for this penalty kill. And the thing I think they're doing so well, Jeff, is taking away the passing lanes and the active sticks. And I know it's not so much this year because they've been doing it all year long. But if you think back to when the penalty kill was really struggling, just guys didn't have active sticks or their sticks were too active and they were just moving it out of passing lanes. And then as soon as they did that, it was getting abused. So I've been impressed with them all season long in terms of, how they're taking away those passing lanes, but tonight against a team like the Blackhawks, it really, really stood out to me that the Hawks just didn't really have a chance to do anything on the power play. And you, you kind of look at how the Blackhawks killed the penalty. Like they had that box formation where they just collapse, 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 and the Canucks have to keep it to the outside. Can't really get that bumper play going. They can't really get to the middle. I think that's a good way to kill a penalty against the Canucks power play, but. For the Canucks, I just thought they were they were they were aggressive at the right times, and I've I've been impressed with them lately. I, I have been, and again, I think it's the sticks in the lanes, knowing kind of when to jump up and not breaking their formation. I thought they've done a really really solid job uh, of killing penalties as of late, and I wanted to make sure we highlighted it.
0: Yeah, no, I'm glad you didn't get that stat. I'm mean, 15 straight. Uh, I don't care who you're playing. That's uh, that's getting it done, and and all of a sudden this penalty kill is working its way up the. The overall rankings and then last month, I know uh, Harm was on the other day and we were talking about uh, top three in the NHL in the last month uh, on this run. And it's a huge part of uh, the run and goaltending and timely saves. That's always the most important part of any penalty kill. Now, five on five, a lot of the guys that do the work, the heavy lifting on the penalty kill are the defensemen. And with Carson Soucy, had to line up a little surprise at the morning skate and it did carry over into this game. To see Quinn Hughes and Philip Hronik split up some new defensive pairs. We saw Hughes with Tyler Myers, Nikita Zadorov with Philip Hronik. The underlying numbers for Hronik and Zadorov were pretty solid. Quinn Hughes is always Quinn Hughes. I mean, he scores the goal and controls play most of the time, although the shots were even at uh, five on five when he was on the ice. And Tyler Myers, uh, I'm not sure that he's the perfect partner for Quinn Hughes, quite frankly, early in the game, a couple of shifts where the Canucks had trouble breaking the puck out. They had Hughes and the lotto line out there. And it was Tyler Myers that was struggling to move the puck. And essentially, you're wasting, you know, 30-second shifts of the lotto line because you can't break the puck out cleanly and, and get it to the guys who are ultimately going to do the damage offensively. And so that's going to be worth monitoring. I, I, I wonder, uh, you can get away with it. You can experiment against the Blackhawks. I'm kind of tired. This is becoming the, the Context Matters podcast. But, but you can... Experiment against a team like the Blackhawks. The Blues are a better opponent. You know, we'll see what the coaches thought of this. And if you think they'll stick with the new look pairs or do you think they go back to Hughes and heronic here?
1: Well, if you go back to Hughes and Heronic, you're putting Zadorov Myers back. And I thought that's what they would do because that pairing was pretty good before Carson Soucy eventually returned. And Carson Soucy was playing some great hockey. Let's make no mistake about it. But I, I don't hate the idea of Zadorov going back with Myers. I just think when you have the lotto line struggling the way they are, we were talking about how, oh, when Hughes and Ronick are on the ice with the lotto line, how it's a cheat code. The numbers that they were putting up, all five of them as a five-man unit at five and five was ridiculous on that road trip. If you're looking for the lot line to get some of that spark back, you mentioned it, Jeff. You've got to be able to get them the puck. And again, I, no no shade on Tyler Myers. He's had a fantastic season for the expectations that we had for him. To put it simply, Jeff, I think you get the best for the players and for your team if you put Myers back with Zadorov. And I know there's going to be people out there saying, well, you need to see Philip Ronick carry his own pairing for contract reasons. But we're talking about how to win hockey games here and how to win them convincingly. I think it's best for Heronic to go back with Hughes and Zadorov to go back with Myers.
0: Well, we'll end then in agreement. Uh, I want to see more of Hughes and Heronic because I, I just think it produces the best out of them and and the players that they're out there with. And and I think Myers and Zadorov had sort of settled in and and you know they've played together now for the better part of a month, a month and a half, and and I'm all right with them as a pairing. And and they were good the other night against the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, when they were out there being physical and. I don't know. Maybe I, I was conditioned to seeing those usual pairs and it, it just kind of looked a little off uh, seeing Hughes and Horonic with their own pairing. All right. Uh, the Blues in here on Wednesday. The Canucks get a little bit of a break from the schedule in that uh, St. Louis is in Calgary on Tuesday. So uh, we'll see if Jordan Bennington gets the start uh, against the Flames. The Canucks may see Joel Hofer on Wednesday here. But whatever the case, uh, the Blues beat them 2-1 to one in a pretty low event game uh, in St. Louis at the start of that seven-game road trip. But of course, the Canucks we 5 nothing winners the last time St. Louis was here early in the season one of those five shutouts for Thatcher Demko. So it's the Canucks and the Blues on Wednesday, and then the Columbus Blue Jackets are in on Saturday, and that takes us into the All-Star break. For David Quadrelli, this is Jeff Patterson. Uh, again, we appreciate uh, your support. Thanks so much. It's It's been a fun season, and uh, it's just going to, I think, get better from here as the Canucks work their way to the playoffs for the first time in a long time. So uh, we're all looking forward to that. Uh, Some big games after the All-Star break, but uh, we do this regardless of the opponent. If it's the Maple Leafs, we're here. If it's the Blackhawks, we're here. And guess what? St. Louis will be here. In fact, you'll be here with me on uh, Wednesday as well. They may switch up their defensive pairs, but we're not breaking up this combo. It'll be (laughs) Dave and myself on Wednesday after the Canucks host the St. Louis Blues. Thanks for listening to another edition of Rink-Wide Vancouver, brought to you by Betway.